Hey, this is Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, and I've been on that show. It's a good show, I think. I have to, I'm still figuring out how to listen to podcasts. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, our old friend comedian Josh Sneed. You know, some of those uh, business opportunities have have done good enough that I don't have to be gone um, all of the time to do stand up. I love doing stand up. I still enjoy traveling. There's no there's no feeling like performing. Now, you may or may not know Josh Need runs a t-shirt company here in Cincinnati. It's been very successful, so successful that he hasn't had to tour as much. We'll discuss that. And as you may also know, uh, we were kind of mixed up with that operation for a while. And we may be again, Josh tells us. We were running the Cleveland part of that, uh, the Cleveland part of their website. It's been suspended for now so they can concentrate uh, on some new business ventures they're doing. He'll discuss that as well. We also talk a lot about baseball and football, both things Josh and I are very passionate about. Uh, we have a dumb bit coming up, co-written by... A former colleague of mine. It involves me singing. You may want to skip uh, right now to the Josh Need interview. And then, of course, we will have the song of the week coming up as well at the end of the show. Stay tuned for that. Well, this week's dumb bit, uh, like I said, you, you might want to skip it now. It does involve me doing. A little singing, but uh, so what happened this week, of course, is we had uh, Miss Kellyanne Conway, uh, part of the Trump administration, you know, saying that President Obama let a couple guys slip through, and these guys uh, were responsible for the Bowling Green Massacre. And I'm like, Bowling Green Massacre? I mean, my Bowling Green or the other Bowling Green in Kentucky? Well, it turns out there's no Bowling Green Massacre in either Bowling Green, quite frankly. And uh, she later went on to say, oh, I, I meant terrorists, although I think if you would have said they were responsible for the Bowling Green Mass terror. You wouldn't have said they're responsible for the Bowling Green terrorist. You wouldn't. That, that sentence doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so of course people jumped on it. Uh, a guy used to write uh, on the Gary Burbank show with he. We all used to write song parodies. Well, there were three or four of us out of the twelve, I guess, that were there in my entire time that regularly wrote song parodies. And uh, of course, I know it is the. Uh, it's almost as bad as being a magician or a clown in the uh, comedy business. But still, I like a good song parody. Hope you do too. But uh, John Bunyan uh, wrote the f- the opening of this. It's from the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young song Ohio. And so he wrote the beginning part, uh, the chorus. And then I said, Hey, do you have any more lyrics for that? And he goes, Well, that's really about all I got. But feel free to take this. So I did. And thankfully, there's only one more verse to the song. So uh, I did a little reworking of it. Uh, and you only have to suffer through, like I said, the chorus and the verse. And then you're you're excused. You can go on to the Josh Need interview. But uh, here now is uh, the, uh, well, here's um, uh, No Dead in Bowling Green. are stunning worst tragedy never seen Miss Conway is blaming Muslims no dead in Bowling Green this administration they're spouting racist views lies telling getting so large when the facts they come out 
They claim it's just fake news. <clears throat> How are these people in charge? Josh Sneed is a stand-up comedian from Cincinnati, Ohio. He also runs a t-shirt company. It's now called Fluffy Crate. It was Cincy Shirts. I'm sure if you look up either one of those, though, it'll take you to the proper place. Uh, he's a very funny man. He's a very good friend. Here now is our interview with Josh Sneed. I uh, haven't been on in a while. Yeah, do you do that? Uh, is, will that podcast end at, with the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, you are going to be this week's episode. Actually, it'll drop on Sunday morning, I think. So, yeah. So the, the right on the, the Super Bowl will be old news for most people. Uh, although I, I might not even watch it. I might take uh, uh, my youngest uh, sledding at Perfect North, weather permitting. So. As long as it's not too warm. Exactly, yeah. I kind of lost my mojo for the NFL this year, what with the Browns being horrible and the Chargers moving to Los Angeles and all that ridiculousness. It's just, ugh. Yeah, it was a letdown for yeah. me on a lot of levels. That's true, yeah. You guys didn't do uh, too well either. Of course, you're being a, a Bengals fan, uh, who I root for secondarily because they're actually more the Browns than the actual Browns, I consider. There. You think about it, yeah, because Mike yeah, Brown's still weird. there. It's, I don't have to think too far back to remember a time where um, I had no expectations going into a season. There you go, yeah, now, now so, you know how I feel. <laughs> I guess it's still good to yeah. assume they're going to be good, but man, yeah, exactly. I don't like the feeling when uh, when you get let down. Yeah, well we also had a, a good baseball season in Cleveland, and of course we had a good end of the basketball season last year, so that kind of like kept... You know, uh, people's attention away from the Browns. Uh, I saw in that last game, we were up there uh, a week ago. I tried out for Wheel of Fortune. I got picked to try out for Wheel of Fortune. And we were in the mall in this uh, shop, and this guy was talking to this other guy, who I think was from Cincinnati, by the way. And the guy from Cleveland was saying, oh, you, you, the last, that last game against Pittsburgh, that you literally could not give tickets away. And if you saw on TV, there was nobody in that stadium. Yeah. You know, it's, you guys are—you uh, guys are getting all uppity now. You get a little taste of victory, and yeah. <laughs> to go to the games anymore. First time in my lifetime. But, yeah. but look at the—but look at the Cubs. I mean, look how long they were able to draw people with having no reason to go there to watch baseball. Oh, yeah, they, as a Cubs fan. They—they they totally it finally paid off. Yeah, that was just an experience. A buddy of mine went up there, and he fought through the traffic, and he didn't make it there to like the seventh inning or something crazy like that. I think this girl he was dating, and I, I mean, uh, I just I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I can tell you, no one in Cincinnati feels sorry for Cleveland fans on any level right now. <laughs> that is true. Um, it is so, all gloom and doom. It is. It is all at both ends of the state, man. It's it's. Uh, how are the Reds looking? Kind of you. I'm excited. I personally am excited. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun year. I don't think it's going to be as bad as people assume. Um, I, 
Um, a lot of young players are going to get a shot. You're going to get to watch them develop. And, uh, you know, I have a son who will be six in July who just loves to be there and loves the game of baseball. So, um, you know, uh, the, the outcome of the game, though I always want them to win and be successful and compete, is secondary to the experience of, of being there with my oh, yeah. kid and getting him into the game and teaching him how to be a fan in years like this and how it'll pay off in the in the, in the good years. So how, how long does he last at a game? Because Pardo was talking about this. When he takes, he takes his son to a ball game, you know, once once the snacks are over, out. And I, Lizzie and I went to a Reds game last year, and she was done after the third inning. And I'm like, holy cow. Uh he insists we stay the whole game. Last year we made wow. it an extra inning game. Holy cow. Huh. Yeah. And he's been that way for almost two years now. So, uh, you know, since since just over three years old, he's Whoa. been determined to sit there. And he yeah. has questions. He knows what's going on. And I joke about it on stage because, you know, the one of the challenges that I'm facing as a parent is – I don't remember how much I could comprehend when I was his age. So I think sometimes I probably don't explain stuff enough, even though he could understand it, because I just assume that he can't. So um, I took him to a, a Giants game last year, and um, and and I said, uh, Dean, we're going to see the Giants. And he says, that's who Johnny Cueto plays for like, oh my gosh! I was like, "Yeah, it is." And uh, not only had he kept up with the, you know, him not being a a royal anymore, um, he then explained to me how arbitration works and why the Reds weren't even <laughs> able to keep him in the first place. And you know, it was a nice moment for us as father and son. <laughs> there you go. The only time I was able to keep my family at a game because I'll know they can they can get me out of there by the sixth inning uh, was. Um, uh, when Homer Bailey threw the the no hitter there at Great American Ballpark, and uh, I would not tell them why we couldn't leave because I couldn't tell them why we couldn't leave. So that was <laughs> I was in a bit of a conundrum, and nope, my wife didn't understand that. And I'm like, she goes, "Well, can we able to leave after this inning?" I'm like, "No, we can't leave." She goes, "Why? I, I I can't tell you why we can't leave. You'll have to look at the scoreboard, and maybe it'll maybe you'll realize because she does, you know she doesn't she, she knows baseball. She understands the game." Uh, and uh, finally I had to whisper to her and I said, look, I don't want to jinx it here, but this is what's happening. <laughs> and, uh, and did you convince them to stay the yeah, whole Yeah, we stayed, we stayed, and they were very excited that they did end up staying. And it was funny, I told that story to Pardo, and I said, you know, after all the... Because every time you go to a baseball game, you hope you're going to see a no-hitter, right? At least I always did, being a fan, ever since I was, you know, little and under, understood the concept. And once he threw that final pitch and the game was over, I felt like I accomplished something. And part of was like, yeah, you, you watched a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can just hear how he would say that. Yes, yes. Too. Like I can, <laughs> yeah, you watched a baseball game. Exactly. <laughs> um, yep. No, it's, it's funny because you do hope that you see that. Yes. If you do see that, odds are it will be the most boring game you've ever watched. You know, so that's why you feel like you've gotten, you've you've accomplished something. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> a really boring baseball game, and there was a payoff for it. Well, not really. I think I'm sophisticated enough, and especially watching a National League game. You know, me being an American League guy, and uh, I think Marty Brennan would be happy to hear this. You know, it, it actually, if you know what's going on, it is actually pretty engaging. 
you know, to see your guy mow down the opposition like that, you know, keep going inning by inning. So, I, you know, I have a high threshold of boredom, so maybe I'm just built with that kind of patience to, you know, to, to, to go through that. And, of course, on the other side, you know, they scored three runs in that game, so, the, you know, the Reds had some, for, of course, the National League, that's a ton. Yes, you're right. You're right. That's fair. No, I appreciate it. I just think most people, oh, the, yeah, yeah. people who are there with children that they're trying to keep entertained would, uh, would not be a fan of a of a quote unquote pitcher's duel. Huh. So is your son just a, mostly a baseball fan? Does he follow other sports? Um, he's starting to ask questions about uh, soccer. He really enjoyed going to the FC Cincinnati soccer games last year. Okay. Um, he asked a couple questions about football, but will sit there and watch the game with me. Uh, baseball is is the runaway winner in terms of. Um, Taking over every aspect of his life, so not just uh, not just be going to the games, but you know he gets a little bit of iPad time at the end of the night uh, to kind of wind down. And for a long time, he was spending that on YouTube, watching Major League Baseball highlight videos oh or the the Reds pregame intro video. <laughs> he would just watch them on a loop. Um, he you know, wants to play baseball all the time in the house and outside. Wow. He has um, he has my old starting lineup baseball figures that he creates little situations with in, in his <laughs> playroom. And, uh, yeah, he's obsessed. You know, he wanted to go to the Reds caravan, and he's always there at Reds Fest, and he loves it. He's wow. spoiled, and he loves it, and, I'm, and I love that he loves it. That's cool. And does... How much of that interest really comes from you? Because you grew up in a generation of where the Reds, I mean, it's, and it's this town, for people that don't know, Cincinnati, is more of a baseball town in general, I would say, than a football town. Whereas Cleveland, when I was growing up, I'm a little older than you, it was the reverse that was always more of a football town than a baseball. Now it's all flip-flopped around. I would argue Cleveland now definitely much more of a baseball and a basketball town than a football town. And uh, Cincinnati... You would think kids, you know, your son's age would be more gravitating toward football because the Bengals, you know, made the playoffs five years in a row until this year, and the Reds, you know, not so much. Yeah, I think maybe if uh, if I hadn't had zero influence on him, that that is the, what we would be facing now. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, uh, by osmosis, just being in this house and around me, that my likes have have sort of crept into into his world, be it Star Wars or the Reds or um, Legos, you know, anything like that. My whole basement is 100% Reds memorabilia, so uh, so it's never not in sight for him. And I'm sure that that played a big role of it. And, you know, we go to more Reds games. And, oh, that's true. Um, and, yeah. and then with my... Um, you know, being on the the community fund board and and the contacts that I have at the team on in the broadcast booth and and things of that nature, he's been afforded some opportunities that he that he or I would have uh, not have with the you know the Bengals or something like that. Okay. So um, I think some of the experiences he's he's had has really kind of kicked his love of baseball into overdrive. And honestly, and and I say this as a biased parent, but I think some of his uh, his friends' parents would agree. I mean, he's pretty gifted already uh, playing baseball. Nice. He, at, at two, he started taking cuts inside the house. <laughs> these little uh, soft. Uh, there, it's actually an indoor snowball fight. 
but he uses them as baseballs, and he uses a miniature bat, you know, the little souvenir yeah. wooden bat. Right, right. And that's what he takes batting practice with. So by the time he was four and could play on his first T-ball league, and, and then you put the a normal-sized bat in his hand, I mean, he was just hitting the ball square wow. immediately because he was so used to hitting it with a tiny bat. And so, uh, so I think that him being a step ahead of some of his friends when it came time to actually start playing baseball, you know, kind of gave him a little bit more confidence too of like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. And, you know, it's just sort of built from there. That's cool. So is he shagging fly balls in the dining room there too? Is that... <laughs> it's funny because uh, that's how I know he loves baseball is that now uh, when he wants to play, you know, in the house, he spends as much time wanting to catch grounders uh, that, as he does wanting to hit, whereas I think most kids just want to hit. Okay, uh, I'm trying to answer a question from my boss via the email. Um, so how is the, the stand-up going? I, I, I see on Facebook, you know, when you're, you're heading out to other towns and stuff, but uh, so how often are you on the road? Because I, I know you have uh, some business interests here in town that you're also tending to. Uh, so what's, what's the comedy touring been like? Um, you know, it's, uh, I've been lucky in that, um, you know, some of those said business opportunities have, have done good enough that I don't have to be gone, um, all of the time to do stand up. I love doing stand up. I still enjoy traveling. There's no, there's no feeling like performing, but, uh, more so than that, I mean, I just love being a dad. So Dean being at such a great age to start doing, you know, real experiences with, um, and then now having a daughter who's uh, almost eight months, you know, the these times for me at home, selfishly, are, are more for me probably than them, but uh, but I love it, and, and there's nothing I love more. So I'm happy that I haven't had to be on the road as much, and I've been able to only take as much work as I wanted, whereas, you know, coming from so many years of just taking whatever work I could get. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a, it's it really feels good to be in a position like that. You know, I feel like a lot of comics kind of get wrapped up in the fame side of things and what shows that they're on and how much TV that they do. But for me personally, being able to have a career in the entertainment business, living relatively obscurely in Cincinnati, um, and and being able to have a nice house and and spend a lot of time with my kids while still being able to do stand up for a living is kind of surreal for me, uh, but it's exactly what I had hoped would happen when I left P and G, you know, almost sixteen years ago. Yeah, um, and so the t-shirt business is doing well. Then uh, I know the art division was was cut loose so you could focus on uh, just Cincinnati, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I assume that's going well. We haven't been to the new store yet. Uh, we've been to the old store a couple times, but we haven't been to the new one there in Hyde Park. Uh, things are going well? Yeah, you know, and I think that just the fact that we opened a, new, a second store sort of uh, speaks to how things are going for the company. I mean, it's a, it's a digital age, and people don't want to leave the house, and they want to buy everything online, and uh, brick and mortars you know, are, are going out everywhere you look, whether it's in a mall or, or standalone. And we ventured into the, to that realm um, in Over the Rhine two years ago. Well, in November it was two years. 
um, and just it was just a test, just to see how it how it would go because our website was doing well, but we would do you know various events through the summer like Taste of Cincinnati and the Bunbury Festival and the Brouhaha, and we would actually get to meet our fans for once, and they would always ask where our store was, and then yep. come Christmas time we'd get flooded with emails, where is your store? And so we thought, let's just give it a shot. You know, let's not put ourselves in a position where we have a super high rent and we're relying on people to just walk by. Let's be, you know, let's be sort of a destination where uh, our real fans will come find us. And um, and that's what happened in Over the Rhine. So we took a three-month lease into a four-year lease and then decided that uh, maybe we were ready to start back on, on our own production. So, uh, so we did looked for a spot in Hyde Park where we could open a second store and take over production and really bring all aspects of our business in-house. And and, uh, and that opportunity arose, so we pulled the trigger. We had a great holiday season in Hyde Park. It's in a great location. You know, I'm really excited to see what the future holds. I mean, we would love to be all over the city, you know, have something up north and on the west side in Kentucky and you know, hopefully that'll be the case. But if it no, if it doesn't get better than it is right now, uh, it's pretty sweet. Well, those are two pretty good uh, central locations downtown, uh, or just outside of downtown, and then of course in the Hyde Park neighborhood. So, what do you think the future will hold? Um, kind of still the same balance of comedy and business, or ramping up one more than the other? Or maybe even venturing off into other stuff. Do you have other projects you want to tackle? Well, you know. Um, for so long, like I said, it was, this is what I have to do because I have to pay the bills. And, you know, now um, with some of these other ventures paying off, it's the first time where I've actually had free time to say, well, what else would I like to do? And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Cincinnati. I'm a huge fan of seeing people make it in their fields, especially in entertainment, without having to move to New York or L.A. Um, so I would love to see more television programming, uh, movies, you know, get filmed in this area. Any any chance I could have to have a hand in it, I would jump at, whether it's acting or writing or, um, or even producing. Um, I've gotten to do a little bit of it with uh, Mentos and Airheads, uh, working on some video projects for them. Oh, that's right. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I, I would love to see more things be created in Cincinnati and then me be a part of it because it's what I enjoy doing and then I don't have to be away from my family. And, I mean, it's just, that's a dream scenario for me. Cool. And uh, I, I guess uh, your podcast, Attention, did that, um, I thought I thought you'd brought that back and then it went back on hiatus. What was the status of that? Um, we were, we uh, brought it back off of hiatus and then it went back on hiatus. You know, um, I, I, I had started it at a great time because not every single comedian had a podcast. And so um, we were getting a lot of listeners and then... Um, I was getting married and, and needed to focus my time on getting ready for that and working enough to be able to pay for it. So we took a break, and then uh, within a few months after getting married, my wife got pregnant, oh. and, then, uh, and then it became, okay, well, now the focus is on saving up and getting ready for this baby to come. And then uh, by the time that the, my son was old enough where I felt like I could maybe give it another shot, 
everybody and their brother had a podcast, and, and that's not a jab at you by any means. <laughs> but just uh, it wasn't easy to just pick back up and start sure. from where we left off like I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in that meantime, my co-host, Mark Shalafu, had, uh, had, had really started to give stand-up a go and had yes. moved to New York, so I knew I was going to need a new co-host. And, uh, and I wanted to, you know, start loading up on episodes that if I did, you know, have a busy stretch that there would still be able to, you know, if I'd be able to put out a new episode consistently. And, uh, and I did for a while, but then, you know, I started getting pulled in a bunch of different directions and, and had to give it up a second time. And I'd love to revisit it. I certainly love being on them. Um, but I just need to find the right formula because uh, I don't think it's one of those things that you can just say, hey, I have a podcast, because um, the the pool's a lot more crowded these days. So I really want to find something that's more of a niche that I can speak on uh, to great lengths um, and has a longer shelf life than maybe what I was doing before, which is just sort of conversation amongst comedians, which I don't think people ever get tired of hearing if they're into, into comedy. Right. Yeah. want to hear funny people discuss stuff but at the same time uh there's a bunch of those out there now yes yes there are uh ours included as as you pointed out but when a guy in his family room is doing it that's that that's you know the field is pretty crowded uh <laughs> all right man well it was good talking to you uh i'll let you go and um of course we'll probably see you around this summer uh as folks may or may not know if they haven't pieced this together we sometimes uh even though our division is closed of the t-shirt business we're still going to plan on helping out over the summer at bunbury and and things like that so cuz uh, we always have a good time doing that and uh Hannah loves doing it remember Hannah of course uh accosted uh walk the moon uh a <laughs> band that is from here outside the all-star game and took the picture with them yeah and uh and and Cleveland is not done by any means. It's just uh, we're rebranding it sure. and launching a new website um, under a new name. So it's just uh, it's just going to have a different look and feel to it, and I'm not sure the timing on that. But um, but we felt like we, you know, with the transition of oh, sure. taking over our own production, opening the second store, that uh, moving Cincy Shirts to its new website, getting it up and running, um we when when we separated from that other company we were not able to keep our other site up and running as is otherwise it would be you know sort of business as usual with that so we're using that opportunity to to do an overhaul and uh and it'll be back cool well we'll, we'll be standing by and uh I'll share some thoughts in an electronic mail as our friend Pardo would say uh on that I want to go into company secrets but some some observations I was thinking I know that we had a lot of competition in the Cleveland market, and I don't know about the other six or seven markets we were in, but I have a, a couple of observations that I'll share with you and Darren. But um, thank you for taking the time again, sir, and uh, and we'll uh, uh, hopefully schedule permitting because we're pretty busy too. Hopefully we'll be able to make it out to go bananas to see you. Uh, I know Patty would That'd love to see you. That'd be great. Yes, it's always fun to talk to you, man. Thanks yeah. for having me. All right. Thanks, Josh. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Josh Sneed for being on the show. You can catch Josh here in Cincinnati on February 9th through the 12th at the Go Bananas Comedy Club. If you need any other Josh Sneed information, just go to joshsneed.com. You can find more tour information. I don't think he has any other dates actually scheduled so far this year, but I'm sure he will. He does uh, 
I think he goes out about once a month now, as he was saying uh, in the interview. You can also check out, I think he has his, uh, his podcast, which is no longer going, but you can still go back and listen to previous episodes. And there's all kinds of other fun stuff on there as well. Do check out the t-shirt site as well. I believe it's now called Fluffy Crate. Oh, if you go to Cincy Shirts, it should take you to the same place. I think it still connects to the new uh, the name of the t-shirt company. So do check that out. Some funny stuff there. And uh, let me see. That brings us, I guess, up to the song of the week. Uh, song of the week kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't know this was even in the works, but turns out uh, Depeche Mode, who were one of my favorite 80s bands, uh, have come out with a new track. Now, of course, they are no longer a quartet. They have been a trio. Gosh, gosh, probably since the night more than they've been a quartet, I imagine. It's 93, 94, Alan Wilder left. And uh, unfortunately, I think since they left, and we, we discussed this in the if you go back to the episode which Caleb Bacon appeared on, uh, we did a Your Favorite Bands, and his favorite band is Depeche Mode, and I found this odd. He's a little younger than me, and I found it odd. He became a Depeche Mode fan in the era after Alan Wilder left. He went back and likes all the other albums, too, of course, but he's really into, uh, he's post-Alan Wilder Depeche Mode, which is very strange to me. Anyway, they've come out with a new song. It's called Where's the Revolution? And it's aight. I don't know. Um, again, I uh, the, uh, the the lady and the guy that wrote uh, the the book about the '80s. Um, we had him on, Jonathan Bernstein. Uh, there was the song about the uh, all the '80s songs. They took the 2080s hits and did little uh, parag- uh, chapters about them. She posted. Uh, Laura Majewski is her name. She posted on Facebook. Hey, what do you guys think of the new Depeche Mode? And I'm like, they got to bring back Alan Wilder. And if you know Depeche Mode like I know Depeche Mode, you'll know exactly what I mean. You can hear where Wilder is missing, and I don't know really how else to explain that, but it seems like there's little hooks and things that could be placed in there, and the way the song is structured, uh, it would be a lot different. And I think it's a bad song. The backing tracks sound nice, but I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't know. I'd maybe give it a 6 out of 10, but it's new Depeche Mode, uh, and I'm still not, I'm not mad at those guys. I'll still always like those guys. So here is their brand new track, Where Is The Revolution, on PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Yeah.